we just got finished a series which was called Proverbs Greatest Hits. And I said that I completed it last week, but I kind of half lied. Uh, the reason is, is because we're not live streaming uh, today. So hey, if you're here, you only get today's sermon. You guys, this is exclusive. This is an exclusive. You can't kind of get online and hear the sermon afterwards. Uh, but I realized that there was one other passage of scripture that was extremely powerful, is quoted often, and it leads us to a challenge. And so I wanted to kind of, I didn't want to be in sermon mode. I wanted to kind of be in devotional mode because I know you're not sitting in nice, comfortable pews. You're kind of in, in uh, you know, lawn chairs or maybe you're kind of sitting in those crappy white plastic chairs. Uh, so I didn't want to be extremely long, but I wanted to provide you with something that is going to challenge you. And it makes you ask a question. And I always like scriptures that make you ask a question. And the question is this, what is the condition of my heart? How is my heart doing? After a year of a pandemic and social distancing and absence and anxiety and threats of fear and anger and restrictions and all of that stuff, as you have gone through this time and you take a look at your heart, how's it doing? A number from one to 10, how would it be? What number would you give yourself? This is what this passage of scripture says. And it's found in Proverbs uh, chapter 23. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Not even 10 words, but a kind of a, a powerful combination of words. Guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. Now, if I were to say this to you, above all else, fill in the blank. If I were to give you, say, listen, here's the statement above all else, how would you complete that statement? What is your above all else statement? Because chances are you do have one. You may not realize you have one, but there's one that you probably go by. Above all else, make sure you save money for retirement because, because that is going to be important. Above all else, do everything to please your spouse, to please your wife, because a happy wife is a happy life. Few too many amens there. Above all else, pray. Above all else, think of others. We all have one. I don't know if you've ever really thought to think, what would be my above all else statements? But the person who was the smartest person that was in history says this. Above all else, guard your heart. In the Hebrew, mikkel mishmar is the term. Mikkel mishmar, what does that mean? It means this. With every speck of discipline and diligence that you have, guard your heart. That's the way the Hebrew kind of puts it. This is the most important thing that you need to do. And you, know, you may not realize this, but here's the thing. Your life will go in the direction of the greatest affection of your heart. Let me say that again. Your life will go in the direction of the greatest affection of your heart. That's why it says everything flows from it. If you have pure motives in your heart, your heart will go in that direction. If you develop corruption in your heart, your heart will go in that direction. And if not kept in constant check... And at that time, during Solomon's day, in every city, there was a thing which was called the gatekeeper. 
That was the person who kind of oversaw what was happening, would let people in, would not let people in. There would be a regiment that would be there that would guard the city. And I think that this analogy was probably fitting as he was saying, above else, guard your heart. Let that guard, that guard keeper in your heart be an important person. Because if you don't, your heart will drift without you even knowing it. And so that's the problem with the fact that we have to continually check our heart because it just has a tendency to drift. And if you don't believe me, ask Solomon. The problem with Proverbs is that Solomon had to live, and you realize the irony of Solomon is that some of the things that he talked about, he didn't even do. He was led astray. And if there's a passage of scripture which is absolutely appropriate for our day, it is this one. Because we're living in a day with such advancement in technology, and that there are so many things that compete for the attention of our heart. I'll say probably like no other time in history, there are so many things that are out there that compete for the attention of our heart. We're living in a day where we have to guard our heart, and we're living in a day where we need to guard the heart of our children. And we're living in a day when we need to help guard each other's hearts because it is so easy to drift. And if you don't, it can become polluted, it can become diluted, it can be corrupted, it can be infiltrated. Did you know that there's a passage in 2 Peter that talks about Lot and it says this about Lot? That God saved just Lot and it said this about Lot, that he was vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. That's what it says. Read it. He says, for his righteous soul, every single day being exposed to that kind of life vexed his righteous soul. I can kind of understand that. I can kind of see that. And so what happens is is, um, we realize that the heart is an important thing. And when, when the Bible says, hey, guard your heart, you know, it's talking about the real you. It's talking about the seabed of your emotions, your passions, your devotions. It's who you really are. The heart is another word that we use for our soul. When you ask Jesus into your life, you ask him into your heart. So this is kind of an important thing. And instead of having consecrated hearts, if we're not careful, we, become, we have devastated hearts. So we have alienated hearts. And, and again, most of the time this happens gradually. That there is a current that kind of sweeps us away if we're not continually looking and watching and observing I saw a statistic by a business insider. It was really interesting. This is what it said. It said that the typical person touches their cell phone 2,617 times a day. The typical person. That's not the other person who we know is just continually touching that phone. That person's even more. The average person scrolls through social media for 144 minutes a day. That's not including text or emails or games or anything like that. That people will spend up to seven years of their waking time in social media. For younger people, it's more like 10 years. Devil's not stealing our hearts. He's just distracting it. Um, There was a statistic that I was reading as I was studying, was talking about gaming, people who play video games. And I came across uh, an article that was talking about it, and it was saying that in America, there are 164 million gamers. 
people who play video games. That's more than half the population. And that really wasn't the statistic that surprised me. The statistic that surprised me was this. Of that 164 million gamers, only 21% of them are below the age of 18. Which means that of all the gamers, there's about 130 million of them that are adults. And, and so there's distraction. We spend our time on TV. It's not just TV. It's Netflix and it's Prime TV and it's Crave and it's Disney and it's Apple TV and, and so on. So it's fair to say this proverb is especially important for today than any others from it. What Solomon is saying is the same thing applies spiritually. And just like you can have physical heart disease, I believe that it is possible to have spiritual heart disease. And disease comes in in different ways. Sometimes it comes through the lies that Satan tells us. It says that Satan is the father of lies. But it's not just there. Many times it's just the condition of our heart in general. It's like, it's like Jeremiah chapter, I think it's 17 verse 9, which basically says the heart is wicked above all things. Who can even understand it? We are already fighting a battle even before Satan gets in there. You ever get a chance to read this afternoon, if you're doing devotions or something, read Psalm 132. It's about David talking about the fact that there was a time in his life where he harbored sin in his life. He said, I couldn't swim. It was just so heavy. It couldn't sleep. It was so heavy upon my heart until I confessed it. Sometimes our heart gets diseased by harboring sin or hiding sin. You know, John 3, it talks about John 3, 6, and it's wonderful and stuff like that. But if you read right after, this is what Jesus said. Here's the thing. There's darkness, and, and, and man loved darkness rather than light because there's deeds would be exposed. You know, Satan can only work where it is dark. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is this. How do I effectively guard my heart? And that's the question I ask myself because I can't answer it for you. I think every single one of us has to figure a way that we guard our heart. So I said to myself, what are the things that I do? What are the things that I implement? What are the measures that I take to guard my heart? And maybe you can take one or two of these yourself and see what happens in your life. The first thing is this, to reinforce the word in your life. It says in Psalm 119, it says, um, thy word have I hid in my heart. Why? So that I don't sin against you. Here's the scary thing. Statistics will tell me this, that for many Christians, the last time you read the word of God was last Sunday when I read it in a sermon. That's kind of scary if you stop and consider it. That many times it is the word that will expose the lie. If Satan is lying to you, the best way for that to be exposed is to read the truth, which we get in the word of God. As a matter of fact, the, count, the context of this passage of scripture is this. He says, listen, turn your ear to my words. That's what it says. He says, keep them close to your heart. Basically, he's talking about this. Listen, be strong in the word because that will protect your heart. It will be the ailment for your heart. The greatest guard for your heart is the word, which is why it is so difficult to maintain a devotional time. And the word is important. If you feel you have a prophetic gift, you better be in the word. I know I've probably said that before. And there are some people say, you know, I kind of feel that this prophetic gift is inside of me. Well, then you really need to know. You need to be reading your Bible an hour a day 
Because if it is that critical a gift in you, you really need to know our first source of, of truth, which is reading and knowing what the Word of God says. So, first thing is this. Reinforce the Word. From there, I'll do this. I'll re-examine what I'm feeding my heart. You ever do that? David basically says this. He says, God, search my heart. See if there's any wicked way in me. And Paul says it in, in Corinthians, examine your heart to see whether you are in the faith. As a matter of fact, when we take communion, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, a man ought to examine himself before he participates in communion. It is a continual time where we take a look and say, okay, God, where am I? What would happen if I took a week and I said, okay, this week what I'm going to do is I am going to measure all the stuff that goes into my heart, all the activities that I'm doing. What would happen? What would it show? To examine, hey, what exactly am I putting in my heart? From there, here's the other one. And I think it's not a surprise. Repent of everything I have let in. Psalm 51, when David created me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Here's the thing about repentance. When you ask Jesus into your heart, they say, what you have to do is you need to repent of your sin, ask Jesus to come into your heart, and he will come in. And for some reason, we think that repentance ends that day. Well, I have news for you. Repentance doesn't end. Repentance continually happens. There is a continual time where I am evicting those things that come to my heart before they become solidified in my heart. I'm continually evicting things. I'm continually saying, God, that has to come out. There was a study that talked about adultery, people who mess around on their spouses or whatever. And from this study, one of the key things that came out was this. 99% of the time, if a person has an affair, it isn't something that has happened at the whim of a moment. It may appear to be. But in cases where people have extramarital affairs, they have thought about the occurrence a number of times. In other words, they have entertained thoughts. They have let them come in there. They have let them stay. They have entertained them. They have held on to them. And what has to happen in repentance is the point where we say, okay, God, this is yours. Many times, you cannot prevent some of the things that come into your heart, but you certainly can prevent the things that stay in your heart, which kind of leads to the next thing that I would do. It's called reject and replace. When you reject, and it says in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against God and bringing into captivity every single thought. And I know that we have to take the inventory, and sometimes it's not a matter of throwing out, but it's replacing. I think the best way to maintain a good heart is to have so many good things in our heart that there is no vacancy for the wrong stuff to settle in. I think that's why Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, I think it's verse 9, he says, whatever things are true, and whatever things are honest, and whatever things are just, and whatever things are pure, and whatever things are loving, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's any praise, think on those things. Put in the, th the good things. Replace them with the stuff that, that gets in the way. From there, another thing that I do 
is something that I have caught in Revelation chapter 2, verse 4, when, when John is talking and the letters are being sent out to the different churches and there's Ephesus in chapter 2. And, and, and through the Spirit of God, John says in this letter to the Ephesians, he says, you guys are doing absolutely wonderful and all these things, but here's the problem. You've lost your first love. You've lost your first love. And, and, and that is not hardening enough. But the thing for us to take today is the next verse, which says this. Remember from what you have fallen. Remember the place where you were before. Take a look and say, I used to remember when my heart was in the right place. I always had to be around Christian people. I had people in my life that could do. I was praying. I was doing all these things that got me in, in, in sense. And, and sometimes the process of guarding our heart is to go back to that place where God had complete control of our lives and say, okay, God, help me to do those things um, once again. If you read Matthew chapter 24, and I know I'm throwing a bunch of scriptures at you. Hopefully you can write them down or, or think of them and, and read them this afternoon. But in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus gets talking about the end times. And he says, you know what, in the last times, um, sin and, and iniquity will be at such a, start, a high level. It says that the love of many and hearts of many will wax cold. It kind of uses both of the words because your heart waxes cold and love waxes cold. And basically what he was trying to say is this. When things get tough, when we begin to live in a society that doesn't care, what happens is the love of people wax cold. And that happens within the church as well. But the problem that happens when it's in the church is that you still maintain your religious fervor. So you become a religious person that no longer exercises love. All of a sudden, it becomes about my rights. All of a sudden, it becomes about what is best for me. All of a sudden, it becomes about all these other things other than the fact that God has called me to love other people. And so you remember from where you were before. Remember the passion that you had for people before. Say, God, move. Do something in my life. And then from there, what I do is I rededicate my devotion to Christ and his promise. I try and go back to simple, some of the best verses are the simple ones. Like James 4, 7 says this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You know what someone told me? He said, in our society today, one of our biggest problems is that we have actually forgotten to take a Sabbath day off that we have gone in our busy schedule, gone from one activity to another activity to another activity. And then when all of a sudden it comes to have our day off, we kind of do it and have things other than actually getting close to God. He says, we never ever really stopped to examine our hearts. I began to ask myself, what exactly do I do on my day off? What do I do? Do I actually practice a Sabbath? Do I actually have a time where I press a reset on my heart and say, God, am I in the place where you want me to be? So the challenge is this. How is your heart doing? If we were to have an honest moment, and as the Holy Spirit is speaking to a few of us here, and I were to say, 
I'm doing great? Or would your response be this? Pastor, I want you to pray for me. I don't think it's in the place. I'm, I'm trying to get back to the place where I was before. Well, if that's the case, what we need to do is we need to pray. I believe that the Holy Spirit has put this message here for you. Let me just finish with this. Um, of the eight wonders of the world, one of them is the Great Wall of China. It has been told that you can actually see the Great Wall of China from outer space. Well, I can certainly understand that because it is 30 feet high, it is 18 feet thick, and it is more than 15,000 miles long. And they put this structure together because they were sick and tired of being attacked from the people from the north. And so they build this huge monstrosity, which is, which is impenetrable. But in the first 100 years after building the wall, they were attacked successfully three times. And it wasn't the wall. What happened? How did they get through? How were they able to do it? Well, what they did was they bribed the gatekeeper. That's what they did. Listen, I'll give you a whole bunch of money. Just let us walk through. And what happened were these armies just walked through the door. Interesting, eh? I can't help but think that there's a scriptural or spiritual principle for us today. And it's this. In the midst of all the stuff that's going on, in the midst of all the busyness of your heart, whatever you are going through. Maybe you're here and you lost your job. You're trying to find a new job or, or maybe you're going through a, a hard time within your family or maybe there is a crisis that I will never ever be able to think up in my head or maybe you are just so weary and fed up with all that has happened in the last year and a half that somehow the gatekeeper has gotten in. And somehow we have had so much with all of our time and all of our distractions that we have neglected some of the things that has caused us to grow cold. And we sit here and we look back and we say, I remember a time when my heart was strong for God. God, I pray that you will do something special. Above all else, all else, do everything with all the diligence that I have to guard this heart. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. And um, I knew that as I was preparing, the Holy Spirit said, this, is, this message is for a few people who are here today. This is why I want you to not complete the, the series last week. I want you to complete. I think that this is an important one. You might be here, and if you were to be completely honest, you say, you know what? I need prayer. I need for God to put my heart back to the place it was before. If that's you, just quickly put up your hand, put it down. I'm not going to have you come to the front. Yeah, a number of people. Thanks. Father, in Jesus' name. Um, you saw all the hands that went up. It has been a tough year. It has been difficult for people. And we have been bombarded, bombarded with so many things that you are beginning to call us back to a time where our heart is pure before you. 
And Lord, I know that you will help us, Father, but it takes that time where we say, okay, God, here it is. Here's my heart. I give it to you fresh and new. I pray, God, that you will allow the presence of the Holy Spirit to move. And I can't do that, God. doesn't matter what I preach on or how long I preach or how I talk, Father. A move like that happens as the Spirit of God moves. So for those people who need that healing, for those people who need that, for, for those people who this message was for today, God, I pray that you will do something special. I pray, Father, for the, for the presence and the convicting and the anointing power of God to go past this time. And do something great, Father, because I believe that you're wanting to do something absolutely special in us as a congregation and in us through individuals, God. So I pray, Father, that you will minister. I pray, Father, that you will heal and that, Lord, you will be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Let's continue the conversation online. Visit us at BethelBrandon.ca or follow us on Facebook.